Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. I'm going to murder this dog. (laughs) Go ahead. I'll wait. Hi and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood... My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer, born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. Mimis, we are coming at you today from my house. Jenny and I just spent about half an hour sitting at my (laughs) dining room table trying to see if we could record in the same room. The answer is no. But as with the story of my life, my voice is just too loud, and I cause an echo. So Jenny is in one of my daughter's rooms, and I'm in my office, so... We're going to give this a shot on the in the middle of the day on a Saturday when Lafayette Beetle's running around, my kids are home, Timmy's loading wood into the wood room with his very loud brother. We're going to see how it goes. Yeah. All right. It's, good. it's going to be something. It's going to be something. Um, Jenny, I want to address the uh, condescending trophy that you gave me. I thought it was really cute and a nice gesture. I know condescension when I see it. It's a participation trophy. I don't want your trophy. Jenny brought me a trophy that says best little sister. Because apparently she judges my worth by not having a trophy for any time while I was in school. Although I earned trophies as an adult. What adults earn trophies? I mean, like, is it an Emmy or an Oscar? Oh, it's at work, actually. It's my um, poetry slam trophy. Okay. So... You know. I didn't know there was still participation trophies for adults. Um, I won first place. <laughs> was not a participation trophy. So I do not accept your gift. I do not want your pity trophy. I'm going to ignore that and reject it. Wait, what is it? What does she say? You know who I'm talking about. I From Arrested what, Development. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I reject it. Okay. I'm not going to respond to it. I'm not going to respond. <laughs> All right, Jenny, are you excited to be in season six? Uh, I'm hoping that the writing is better in season season six. Okay, so I was saying to Jenny, I remembered this episode very well. Okay. Um, like, I remembered this. This, to me, for some reason, is the little house that I remember more. We must have seen more of these episodes, the later ones, than the earlier ones. Yeah, I totally remember. I remembered a lot of this episode. I don't know if I remembered everything. When I saw the millstone. Yeah, I, I was triggered. I was triggered. I literally went, 
<laughs> like, there it is. Today we're going to look at Little House on the Prairie Season 6, Episode 1, Back to School Part 1. Jen? Just... Uh. Oh. Guys, full disclosure, she did not have her index card ready, okay. and now she's not ready with the description. I'm not in my normal routine, okay? Okay. The description reads... As a new school year begins, Nellie receives a shocking graduation present from her mother. Carolyn takes a job at the restaurant when Charles is injured and unable to work. And I will say, this is the Nellie I remember. Yes. Like the older Nellie. Yes. All right, Jen. So we open on the Ingalls home and we are hit with Carrie right off the bat. Right off the bat. Like not a good season opener, Michael Landon. Written by and directed by Michael Landon, by the way. Not good that we have to deal with Carrie going to the fucking outhouse. She's immediately, like, all the time. What's with this kid's bladder? Even Charles says something about it. Mm -hmm. So Charles is drinking his coffee, and the rest of the kids are getting ready for their first day at school. Albert is legit wearing a suit. And Laura says he's dressing up for the new teacher because we all know Albert is hot for teacher. Why is Albert dressed like Johnny Cash? (laughs) He's dressed like Johnny Cash. And he's always hot for teacher. Yeah. Right? Well, he's he's in for a rude awakening. So, Michael Landon has aged a bit here, Jen. I don't know how I feel about it. How old do you think he is at this point? I don't know, 50? He's 43. What? He's a year younger than me. Wow. That's a hard 43. That's a hard 43. Yeah. All right. And his I mean, hair to be is... fair, though, he smoked like a champion, from what I understand. He did. And his hair is getting really mm. puffy. Yep. I'm starting to lose the attraction, but definitely not attracted to Manly. We can agree there. Okay, so once the kids leave, Carolyn asks Charles to help her with the dishes. He says no. That's not a man's job. Yeah, I feel like that's out of character. It's very out of character. I feel like they're... Okay, so I'm I'm making my way through Karen Grassl's book. I feel like there is tension between... She and Michael Landon at this point. Because he is writing tension into their episodes between their marriage. Yes, he is. You're right. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. She tells him not to be sacrilegious. And she says, I think the word, um, or I said, I think the word she's looking for is don't be a douchebag. But she quotes, No, because she's trying to tie it to the Bible. Right. She quotes the Bible and she guilts him into it and finally he agrees. Now, I would like to say, Jenny, breaking news, breaking news. Okay. I have discovered Bandit's real name. You've discovered it. I searched. I was looking when this was happening and I was trying to see. I was on the IMDb page. I don't know what I was trying to figure out. And I happened to see that the the dog who played Bandit is named Jeffrey. Okay. And you were obsessed with this because you were talking about this all weekend. I'm obsessed with it. I love a dog that has a human name. So why did you give your dog the name Lafayette Beetle? I gave my dog the name Arlo. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Although I guess Lafayette Beetle is a human name. It's just an (laughs) older name. So the kids are walking to school and Laura tells Albert that Nellie is graduating today. And I was confused because it was the first day of school. Why is the, A, why is Nellie graduating on the first day of school? Secondly, isn't she, she's like 23. She's older. Yes. Like Mary has gone on and done 10 things with her life by now. So, Albert says if Laura's in such a hurry, just go to Mankato and take the exam like Nellie did. So, that's what Nellie did. Right. Back in the good old days when they used to give exams or you couldn't pass high school. Right. Okay. 
So they walk past a building in town with big white like canvases covering the entrance so you can't see it. So what building was this? I don't know. It must have been the hotel. Can we agree? Oh, it had well, to no, 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 no. The hotel was above Doc Baker's. I don't know. I don't know. It just appeared on nowhere, people. Mimi's. Somebody do a deep dive on the makeup of Walnut somebody Grove and tell us what building this was because I feel like it's always been there, but I now I don't know. know what it was. Was it the bank? No, it's not the right structure for that. No, it wasn't the bank. The bank's on the other side of the street. I don't know how I know that, but I just do. The bank's across from the mill. Yes, correct. Yes. Okay. So anyway, they approach this building and Mr. Olson is there and it's like a big secret whatever's happening and Albert's like, everyone in town is trying to guess what this is. Nels is like, I guess there's no harm in telling I'll you guys. I'll just tell you. Mm-hmm. So he starts to tell them, and then Harriet interrupts them. Yes. And Nels says, he thinks Harriet can hear a flea belch a mile away. Which I thought was pretty funny. Albert and Laura thought it was very funny. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Harriet then comes over and starts ridiculing the workers, calling them common laborers. Oh my God. And Albert's like, you should have hired my paw, Mr. Garvey. And she's like, uh, No. I want to keep this a big secret. So who are these workmen? I don't know. Like, we know all the people in Walnut Grove. They must have come from out of town. That's the only option. Because mm-hmm. she wants to keep it a secret, so she didn't want to hire anybody in Walnut Grove. Yeah, whatever. Everyone piles into school, and Albert spots the new teacher from behind and is all worked up, and it's kind of gross. This is bad. I know. Okay, so, so then it gets real bad because... When Eliza Jane turns around, we get this music like, bah, bah. like sad trombone. Yes. We get sad trombone. That's so fucking bad. Yes. And they're like, oh my God, look at this ugly, gross miser. And everybody's like, ooh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Guys, she yeah. wasn't that bad. That's real, real bad. I mean, she's no Miss Beetle. Right. But she's an attractive it's woman. It's not like she's like some troll, right? <laughs> like, they make it seem like she turns around and it's like Kezia times 10 or something. Do right. you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's just gross. So the Olsons barge in and it's time for Nellie to give her commencement speech, you know, on the first day of school. This makes no sense. Nellie gives a speech that implies like she is done with this town and she's going to go do great things. But then I'm thinking, what is Nellie going to go do? I don't know. Like, was what do you go, go do at this point? Didn't she want to be a teacher? I mean, you had to be a teacher and nurse. Those are your options. Yeah, that's it. So Laura's hoping that Nellie's moving. She's like whispering to Albert, like, oh, this might be it. Harriet now announces she'd like the whole class to see Nellie's graduation gift. So everyone marches over to the mysterious building and Harriet reveals Nellie's restaurant and hotel. Jen, you oh remember this. Yes. First was, of all, who's fucking, like, I mean, I would have had the reaction Ellie had, I think, of like, <laughs> you want me to run a, like, you ask someone if they want, you don't just assume someone's going to be like, all cool with running a restaurant. Guys, running a restaurant is That's hard not easy. work. That's not easy. A hotel restaurant. Right. They just think she's going to run the thing. Like, I could see if they were like, here's an investment property, and like, there's a whole staff that's going to run this, and like, have fun with that. Instead, they think she's going to cook. Like, yeah. who don't they know their daughter at all? Yeah, and is she going to cook and waitress and bus and wash dishes? Yeah, and Nellie's she's like, She's no nope. Caroline. No way. No way. No. So, Nellie's just like, 
first of all, I want to say this set was very familiar to me. Yes. Like, I remembered the red water wheel in the middle of the table. Like, it was so interesting. Okay. So, the white sheet comes down, and when it does, Harry gets all wrapped up in it. (laughs) This is the kind of acting that Harry is just so good at. Like, this physical comedy kind well, of, like... Well, it's, it's the theater background, right? Like, when she throws the fit. Like, she's always, like, screaming and throwing a fit. Nelly so too. Good. Nelly too. So, everyone laughs, and I wrote that this goes on way too long. Yeah, it's like pretty bad. Like, five whole minutes. Okay. So then, Harriet announces this is Walnut Grove's first and only restaurant. And Nellie's like, what the fuck am I going to do with the restaurant? <laughs> Yeah. So they go inside, Jen, and Harriet gets paint on her hands from the window. <laughs> yeah. And Harriet is showing Nellie around, and she's super confused. And I wrote, when have we ever seen Nellie cook anything? Anything. Express anything. any interest in cooking or anything. Nope, nope nothing. Nellie asks, who's going to do the cooking, mother? And Harriet's like, you are. Nellie says she hates cooking. And Nell starts yelling at Harry, and he's like, you better start. He starts yelling at Nellie, and he's like, you better start liking it, Missy. Yeah, and he said, see, Harriet, I told you that you should have asked her, something like that. Yeah, This is so over the top. Harriet freaks out and is so over the top. She kicks Nell's out. She tells Nellie, like, you're so lucky to have established. Then we get establishment. Then we get some backstory. Yes. And we learn that Harriet had a small mercantile. When she met Nels. So there's our answer of where the mercantile came from. And that Nels was, yes, he was enamored with her, but he also liked that he could move right into this mercantile. Right. And have a business. So she's basically like, this restaurant is going to help you get a man. Yes. Yes. Because she doesn't think Nellie could just get a man on her own, apparently. I'm reading The Handmaid's Tale right now. Mm. And... In chapters, I think it's like 30, 32, somewhere around there, the commander is talking about when they set up Gilead and why they set up Gilead the way that they did. He goes into this long explanation about, you know, women spend so much time trying to get a man. So, you know, we set up Gilead and we we gave you each a man. So now you got what you wanted. Wow. And now everybody's happy. So like arranged marriages is the way to go? Because everyone's always happy in that outcome. It's not even arranged marriages. The handmaids are assigned to the commander's homes. Yeah. They rape them once a month and try to get them pregnant. So so they're given a man, Jen. Wow. So they should be happy. And this had this feel to me. Like like this idea that women only exist. First of all, you're not even including gay women here. Like there's like anyone could be outwardly gay at this time. Or women who just didn't want anything to do with men. Which you were considered I mean that's I feel like half the women that got burned at the stake in Salem were probably those kind of women. Or spinsters like Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta include the spinsters. Well I feel like they're all that's all kind of related. <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> I'm telling. Like, God forbid you don't want to have a relationship. I'm People telling you're all lesbians that you called them spinsters. I'm not calling <laughs> lesbians spinsters. You know what spinsters mean? It means you never were married. I know. I know. I know. Because Graham used to use that term all the time. Yes. For people and it's of her, it is for people of her generation. 
who didn't get married for whatever reason. Let's remember, yeah. if you were gay, you couldn't be out. You couldn't be out. You yeah. just couldn't get married. Like, you just didn't do that. Or so maybe you, you just don't me. believe in monogamy. Maybe you just don't want to marry people. Right. Maybe you're just that banging been, all over That would have been insane at this time. Maybe you just take a lot of cruises on the Pacific Princess, and you're just bang, bang, okay. banging all, all right, over the can place. we move on? Okay. All right, so Nellie repeats. She's like, mother, I get it. But again, who's going to cook? <laughs> She's like, I understand, but I'm still not going to cook. So then we see Harriet slap a help wanted sign out front. Yep. Now we see the school letting out, and Laura and her posse are talking about the new teacher. Now Andy Garvey won't be called the teacher's pet anymore because his mother's not the pet, so he's happy, or not the teacher, so he's happy about it. He's thrilled. Yeah. Then we see Manly pull up. Oh boy, I have an index card. <laughs> Who is this manly man? Oh, God. <laughs> Did you think something was wrong with his voice? No. It was I dubbed mean, over or something. It was oh, dubbed maybe. over. I wasn't, it was I weird. wasn't paying that okay. close attention. They do that. Their sound people are terrible. Terrible. Mm-hmm. So, Almanza Wilder is played by Dean Butler. Dean Butler is a Canadian actor and producer best known for Little House. <laughs> he also starred in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is great. As mm-hmm. Hank Summers. He mm-hmm. was in JAG, Murder, She Wrote. He was in an after-school special called Private Affairs. Ooh. Might have to look that one up. Might have to try that one. He was in Who's the Boss, Fantasy Island. He studied communication arts at the University of the Pacific in California. He was on Broadway. I feel like Broadway. that's not the right real thing. I feel like I that's I the re- school I would have went I've to. I've never heard of it. I've never heard I would have went to that school. Um, he played the prince in Into the Woods on Broadway, which is the story of Rapunzel. Right. Oh, man, you want to talk about some problematic shit. Right. Rapunzel. Right. Um, internationally, he did an international tour as Tony in West Side Story. Oh, okay. He was also in three episodes of Love Boat, Aim. Oh, we didn't see that. Oh, we Not saw yet. him in one, didn't we? No. He's married to Catherine Cannon, who played Felice Martin on Beverly Hills 90210. I don't remember that character. Felice Martin. Do you remember that? That must have been something later. I don't remember. That I'm wasn't one of the main up. characters. I'm looking it up. Keep talking. I have nothing to say. Oh, that's it? That's it. End of index card. Oh, here she is. Oh, wasn't she Steve's mother? Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yep. She was somebody's mother. Look at her. Donna Martin's mother. Okay. Donna's yeah. mother. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Yeah. Okay. That's Dean Butler's wife? Yes. Okay. I guess I always imagined it was Melissa Gilbert. <laughs> okay. Well, you know who she's married to. Yes. Timothy the Russell. something guy. Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay, Jen. So Manly pulls up. This is the introduction of Manly. So he stops the kids and he asks them where the school is. And Laura cannot is take her eyes off this dude. She's in love with them. Mm-hmm. Immediate. Cupid's I mean, truck. that's how kids are, right? Yeah. Eliza Jane introduces Almanzo to them, and he tells Laura his friends call him Manny. I never knew this. I know. When he first said, my friends call me Manny, I'm like, oh, my God, I always thought all these years it was Manly. Me too. So she says, nice to meet you, Manly. Mm-mm. And he laughs and says it has a nice vir- virile ring to it. I don't know what those words mean. Like his, like, like potent, like 
pregnant, like masculine. Okay. Okay. Gross. <laughs> I just have gross as one word with a period. Gross. <laughs> After he drives away, she realizes what she did and she's like, oh, shit. After this whole scene, Laura catches up with Albert and they're fishing in the creek. And Albert's like, come on, come on. You're not fishing. What are you doing? Laura's distracted, Jen, because she's carving L-I plus A-W into a tree. And I wrote, wow, this escalated quickly. Well, and I love how she says, if I had a remembrance book, I would have written that this was the day I met the man. You had 10 remembrance books. She needs, someone needs to buy this kid a remembrance book. How are they missing this every Christmas? (laughs) So she does say that she, you know, she would go on to marry him someday in a voiceover. Okay. At dinner, Jen, the family is laughing at Mrs. Olson's entanglement with the white canvas. Like, Charles just thinks this is hilarious. Charles loves this kind of shit. Mm -hmm. Charles says, it's... Okay, now we get some real uh, um, Anne Rand kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps Uh, kind of talk here. Mm -hmm. So Charles says, it's ridiculous that Harriet gave a child a present like this. No, it's not. It's ridiculous that Harriet gave that child this present. Yeah. If she had been passionate about cooking and could have handled this, sure. fine. Okay. So Like then, she could have built a comedy club for Willie. Yes, she could have. So Charles asked Laura, how would you feel if I gave you a restaurant without you working for it? Uh, Laura's like, that would be amazing. He's like, how is Nellie ever going to get a sense of accomplishment? This is the wrong way. Okay, judgy Charles. Mm-hmm. So once, so Laura's distracted and asked to leave. And once she leaves, they talk shit about her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. Carolyn thinks maybe she's a little jealous of Nellie. It would only be human. And Charles says, I wouldn't give my kids a gift like this, even if I had the money. Carolyn chuckles and says, it's not like we have to worry about giving our kids lavish gifts. She says there's no danger. Of us lavishing our kids with expensive gifts. Yeah. He's offended by this. And he's like, we're not exactly poor, you know. And I wrote, there is some weird tension between them. Because that old Charles would have never said something like that. No. And old Charles would have jumped up and helped her with the dishes. Yeah. He wouldn't have to be guilted into it with the Bible. Right. So he says, look, when the millstones come in tomorrow... Me and Jonathan will be perfectly fine come harvest season. I don't know what millstones are or what they're doing. It grinds it grinds grains down into like think like like milled like oatmeal milled bread. Okay. okay. All right. Like it grinds down the. the I thought stuff they planted them in eat. the field and grew other millstones. I didn't no, know what it, happened. It grinds down grains. Okay. So the next day, the kids are playing tag on the way to school, and Laura sees. Uh, how annoying was that? <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Laura sees Manly and freezes. And then she runs away from the school to position herself on his path home. He stops her and he offers to give her a ride. And here's where I wrote, she is 15, he is 23. Yep. The actors, guys. Well, the actors. and I have, there's a whole big thing, if you look at Little House Lore, about how Laura or Melissa Gilbert was not comfortable about this. And they did not have chemistry. And I have to say, that proves what a good actress she is, mm-hmm. because you wouldn't know that, but I guess it was like a real problem. You would not know that. She played it very well. So they discuss her calling him Manly, and he's like, I'll tell you what, only you can call me Manly. Aww. 
he asks her what her nickname is. And he says, she tells him it's half pint, but she's like embarrassed to admit it because it's kind of childish. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, since your name is Laura Elizabeth, I'm going to call you Beth. Now, I never knew where she got that nickname from him. Her middle name is the same as her grandmother's. Okay. So there we go. All right. Um, but weirdo, you're coming up with a pet name for a 15-year-old. Yeah. It's just... It's uncomfortable. I, I Look, I get it. At that it. time, it wouldn't have been a big deal, though. I get it. At that time, it was not a big yeah. deal. But could we not have cast a 20-year-old actor? Yes. Or Why a 19-year-old cast me who was like 18? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, I mean, just cast somebody who's like 17, 18. She's like 15. That would feel normal. You know what I mean? You're like, adapting that would be like, yeah. this for 1979. But think about you as an actress. Like thinking about being a 15-year-old, having to like kiss and stuff with a 23-year-old. You'd be freaked out by that. Mm, I told you the story about how I dated somebody that old so All they right. could buy a okay. beer. Okay. All right. So Jen, Jenny, PTSD scene. with the millstones. I could not rem- I could not believe how visceral of a reaction I had to the, the millstone. I was literally like, <gasps> something bad happens with the millstone. So the millstone arrives. It's so, a- Anne, would you say that you were triggered by the millstone? <laughs> Why do I feel like I'm getting a millstone for Christmas? Jonathan and Rod, this old man, are moving the stones, and Charles is just kind of watching. I don't if know Charles why. Charles is watching. Instead of having the old guy open the door... Which and like, good thing he didn't. True, he'd be dead. But mm-hmm. they're saying this thing is nine hundred pounds, and they have two people pounds. and a stick moving it. They have a stick moving it, guys. Think of it like a tinker toy, the round part of the tinker wow, toys. Wow, you 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 dove deep for that. And you put the little stick through, and you wheel it along. That's what they were doing, and it it was like a match trying to move a boulder. Like yep. no, guys, there's no, no way that was going to hold mm-hmm. up. No way. The wheel breaks loose. Charles is right in its path. Jonathan well, screams, all, but it is Charles. too late. He screams Charles, and then what does Charles do, Aim? What's his next move? He jumps out of the way. He jumps behind the door <laughs> that the wheels were heading towards. If he had jumped to his left, yeah, it probably okay. wouldn't have hit him. Yeah, yep, yep. He Does he think that door is going to stop it? <laughs> then the best part is we see Carolyn booking into yes. town. So when we wonder why these people are in such good goddamn shape, they just run, run everywhere yep. from town to from their home to town. So he has broken ribs again, Jen. What again, are we up to on that rib count? This is like six broken ribs, I think. I think six so. or seven at least. I think so. So they run to Doc Baker's and Doc says he gave Charles some painkillers, so he might not make much sense. Hey, are you excited? Charles is high. I am because then we see Charles, okay? And I'm like, I imagine this is exactly how Michael Landon acts when he's drunk. He's like, how you doing to Carolyn? (laughs) And he's like, "Um, you know, oh, darling, you look good. Like, he's like all loose and, and fun. I imagine. Did you ever hear the rumor that Dean Martin really never drank? Um, no. So, you know, the Rat Pack. Yes, of course. I know Dean, Dean Martin's Martin daughter said Can that he d- never drank and that that was all an act. What, really? Yes. Is that what he told his family? I don't know. That's what she says. And I imagine Charles is kind of channeling that energy here. Could you, um, can we discuss that Amy had this obsession with this two record 
collection of <laughs> Dean Martin songs. It was there was this infomercial for it in the eighties. Yes. And it was Everybody Loves Somebody Sometimes. And Amy was obsessed Everybody with it. Everybody falls in love sometime. Or something. And then like someone that. finally got it for you. Was it Graham? Graham got, got it, for it for me. Graham got yeah. it for me. Okay, so Graham used to love to tell me this story, right? So Graham sent away. It was when you sent away for records. Yeah, you would call up. Yep. So yep. Graham sent away for it, and it was two album set. The red one was Love Songs. The blue one was like Moonlight something. Memories or something. She gets it for me, and she loved to tell this story that I get it, and I'm so excited. And Dad says, you're not playing that garbage on my record player. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was teasing. Yeah. But she said I got really upset. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was my... I love Dean Martin, man. You are such a nerd. <laughs> yeah, I really oh, never had good taste in music. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, so Charles is getting... He's he's channeling that energy. So, Jonathan... He's channeling Dean Martin, fake drunk Dean Martin. Okay. <laughs> so, Jonathan asks, how long is he going to be laid up? And Doc says, he won't be doing any milling on this harvest. So, he's laid up for harvest. Yep. That's a long time. That's I think. a long time. I don't know. And then they have to get the stretcher out and put him into the wagon. So, like, he gets to ride, like, Rev Alden style in the back or Edward style, just thrown in the back. So that night they get Charles to bed and Carolyn and the kids are sitting at the table. And Carolyn's like, here's our immediate problem. It's money. As per usual. Uh Now she says, Jonathan and I have to hire somebody to take over for your pot the mill. So this, this confirms they own the mill. Wow, business owners. Yes, yep. So Albert wants to do it, and Carolyn's like, uh, no, you're too small. Why don't you just go fuck a teacher or something? Albert would have been oh, crushed. Did I really write that? Just go fuck a teacher? <laughs> Albert would have been crushed like an ant under that wheel. Albert, we love you. You have some some real great energy, dude, but you're you're tiny still. You can't yeah, be he, doing it. He, he has to work with his mind. He has to yeah. manipulate people. That's what he's best at. Yeah. Just stick it with what you're good at. Yep. So Charles says she's, she wonders if she could work for Nellie. If they're Charles still doesn't say of, that. Carolyn says that. Oh, sorry. Carolyn says she wonders if she could still work for Nellie at the restaurant. And Laura says, Paul won't like that. And Carolyn's like, well, sometimes you have to do shit you don't like. I don't give a shit. <laughs> The next day at Nellie's, we see a ton of smoke pouring from the chimney. Harriet's cooking. Okay. This is very similar to what Jenny's doing in the kitchen most of the time. Yeah. Shit's burning. (laughs) She's running around like a maniac. I mean, typically, I'm sitting at the counter with a glass of wine watching people cook. That's true. That's true. That's your default position. So, Harriet has burned pancakes. She serves them to the dude in their black, and he's like, I'm not eating these. Harriet has pulled a Lafayette beetle. <laughs> what do you mean? She has done this to her own life. She has made her own life a living hell for no reason. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So Carolyn comes in right in the nick of time. And she kicks some ass in the kitchen, as can be expected. Did you catch that, like, ASMR scene of, like, Carolyn cracking eggs? I did. It was, like, this weird... I did. Okay. I did. So, while Carolyn is cooking, she reminds Harriet that the dining room in Winoka was twice this size, and she was able to run it no fucking problem. As you remember, we had the um, passive-aggressive waiting by Charles in the Winoka dining room. (laughs) With the pervs. (laughs) 
Well, and and Carolyn has Harriet over a barrel. Yeah, she does. She really does. So Harriet asks her if she'll work for her, and Carolyn negotiates $2 a day with the Lord's Day off. Yeah, and she was originally going to get paid a dollar a day, so she doubled her yeah. her compensation. Let and me do math. Let say, me do math. That's a 100% increase. Can I just say that I don't really know what over a barrel means, references? Well, we'll have to get the Mimi's on it because they were dropping like I know some what like it, I think day. it I think it means like you're gonna get your head like like you know they drown people in a barrel. Yeah, like contextually, I just know it's bad. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. So at home, Charles is throwing a temper tantrum, and Carolyn says, "I won't be working for Harriet. I'll be working for Nellie." And Charles oh, yeah. says, That's "Way better." Charles says, "Aside from a few pounds, what's the difference?" Oh, Lord. Okay. You better have been talking about British pounds, motherfucker. (laughs) So she's trying to feed him, and he aggressively pushes her hand away. He's like, I don't want you serving these people and then standing around waiting for tips. Carolyn's like, you're the one who says there's no job anyone should be ashamed of, and we need the money. And then he softens, and he's like, how would I ever get along without you? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. So the next morning, Laura is taking super long to get ready for school. She wants to wear her hair down. And Albert's like, how will you play baseball with your hair down? And she says, I just want to look older. I'm going to murder this dog. (laughs) Go ahead. I'll wait. She's like, like, I just want to look older. And at school, Manly pulls up with Eliza and Laura is perched waiting. So Manly says he just got a job at Miller's Feed and Seed and his voice is super creepy. I don't know what's happening with it. He's just a bad actor. It's like this weird like. Then he's like, don't forget now, Beth. All work and no play. Like, oh. Then he says something about I just love little girls with pigtails. Yeah, which. And Laura took that like he was calling her a little girl, but she doesn't have pigtails. So he's not saying that. I didn't understand this, but I feel like he friend zoned her. Yeah, he did. Actually, he little girls owned her. Yes, he did. Which is, the, <laughs> which is appropriate. Which is the right thing to do. Appropriate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Harriet spots him and is immediately asking Laura about him. And then she decides um, that he's husband material. And we have her running away to this crazy music. And I'm calling it husband material music. It's like... Da, 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 da. he doesn't have money. No. In school, Eliza's all business, and she says homework will account for 50% of their grade night. is wrote, wow. Wow. Okay. And if you fail to turn it in, it's an automatic zero. And Willie's wow. standing in the corner, which is kind of cute. And then she dismisses the class, and Laura runs out of school just in time to see Harriet and Nellie swarming around Manly. Carrie annoys her for half a second, but Albert falls on that bomb, thanks to everyone. Harriet is asked, is that the expression falls on that bomb? Fall, jumps on that bomb? Jumps mind? on that bomb. Jumps on that bomb? Okay. I might um, have that wrong. I don't know. Harriet is asking Manly over for dinner and she asks him to come on Sunday. Jumps on a grenade. Jumps Thank on a grenade. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. So she's inviting Manly over to dinner. <laughs> he can't come Saturday. So she's like, come Sunday. What's your favorite dish? Cinnamon chicken. I've never had cinnamon chicken. I don't know. Is it like a... Does, like, mole have? No, that's chocolate in it. You know I, I don't can't know. eat cinnamon. I feel like that. I love cinnamon, but I don't think I would like it on chicken. Ever since I got sick on that monkey cake in, like, eighth mm. grade, can't do it. Okay. So Nellie is throwing her the side eye because we know Carolyn doesn't work on Sundays. Nope. No way. So she 
begs Carolyn to work, but Carolyn's like, I'm not doing it. No it way. is the Lord's, the Lord's Day. Day. So Laura comes in and volunteers to make the chicken for free to help out a friend. And I just wrote, have we not learned yet? Yeah, this kid is scheming. Like, Carolyn should be like, what are you up to? Nellie should be like, what are you up yeah. to? Yeah. Jenny, would you, okay, what if I volunteered to do this for you? I would be super suspicious. Thank you. Yes, and you should be, because I'd be planning something. On Sunday at the homestead, Charles is helped to the table to have dinner with this family. But we see Laura grab the cinnamon and run out, but it's really cayenne pepper. Because they have no cinnamon at the restaurant? How the fuck do you make pancakes with no cinnamon? And cayenne pepper is not that hot. No, it's not. I'll get to that. I'll okay. get to that. At the restaurant, Laura's cooking, and Nellie makes her hide in the pantry when Manly shows up. Because he's supposed to think she did all the cooking. So does Nellie want Laura to just hide in the pantry the whole The whole date? dinner. That's creepy yep, and weird. Because then she wants Laura to wash the dishes. Like, this is somebody doing you a solid. Yeah. You can't wash the, the dishes. dishes? Yeah. Nellie greets him, and he tells her she looks fine. Not good. Fine. fine. You look fine. Mm-hmm. Nellie goes into the kitchen to get the chicken, and she burns her hand on the oven, and she screams, but then pretends she's singing, and it's super irritating. Jenny, what were your thoughts here? I wanted to burn my eyes and ears out uh, off. It lasted 35 seconds, 40 seconds. But I relate to Nellie because... Like, I just have no muscle memory for the kitchen. Yeah. So you don't, like, you'll just burn yourself because you're not even thinking because it's not something you ever do. Sure. Yes. Like, usually I'm pretty good at not burning myself, but, like, I just don't have that muscle memory of, like, how to do things. Right. I can scramble eggs. That's about it. That's it. Okay. So he hears her scream. She's pretending she's singing. He's like, I'm real hungry because my sister's been at work, so she hasn't had the opportunity to cook for me. God forbid Manly, the single man, learned to cook. Manly. He eagerly devours his first bite, and then we suddenly see his face start to change. She takes a bite. Her face changes. They start guzzling water. because Which is eaten, not the thing to do. Because they've you... eaten cayenne pepper. So, first of all, cayenne pe- pepper is not this hot. No. Even if you used a lot of it, it wouldn't be this hot. They were acting like they ate, like, straight up ghost peppers. They were acting like they ate whatever they make mace out of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they like they were acting like they got maced. And then you don't drink water. The water doesn't you help. You drink water. milk, right? You drink milk or bread. They should have went for the bread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are ridiculous. They're choking. They're gagging. It's ridiculous. They run into the kitchen. They're pumping the water into the sink and just chugging it down their throats. Like, it is ridiculous. So, Nellie's screaming for Laura, but she's gone. (laughs) Now, Almanzo rushes out just as Harriet and Nels are coming in. Then we see Nellie throwing the biggest fit in the world. She's slamming dishes around, throwing food, smashing things. Laura looks in and laughs. Next week, part two. Okay. Jenny, overall thoughts here. Is that what we're doing now, overall thoughts? Sure, why not? Uh, it was, this is, feels like it's getting better. This season feels better. I agree. Maybe it's because like they're all adults now. I don't know. I don't know. I agree though. Whose fault is this, Jen? This is definitely Harriet's fault. I agree. She should have asked Nellie. Yes. If she wanted a fucking restaurant. Yeah. Yep. 
I mean, I wanted to blame Doc Baker some way. Although it benefits the Ingles because Carolyn gets a job, which where would she have gotten a job when Charles busts himself up with the stupid wheel? Truth. Yes. She could have went to, like, the post office. Everybody, they take anybody. Okay, so at the end of every episode, Jenny and I look back on a theme or a lesson or something we took with us from the rewatch or the first time we saw it, and we think about how that affected us as adults and maybe, you know, in our generation collectively. We call it our why. It's designed to finish the statement, Gen X, this is why. Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So this is why... Women, girls of this time and this generation thought that you had a plot and scheme Mm -hmm. against other girls to get a man because Mm -hmm. the most important thing was to have a man and get married and have children. And that meant that you had to take out the competition, which was other women. And it just pitted women and girls against each other. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous and it's a horrible message. And we were fed this over and over again everywhere. Do you ever see that portrayed the other way, like men all fighting nope. over a girl? No. When when you see it portrayed the other way, it's like they get into a bar fight because some guy touched another guy's girl, and it's like kind of like you touch my possession thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, you don't see them competing for a woman's attention. Mm-hmm. That's rare. Pretty in pink you do. Yeah, you do. It's You did see it, but it was very rare, and it just had a different flavor. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It's funny because back to my discussion of The Handmaid's Tale, it's a society where women are suppressed and even in their suppression, there is a hierarchy of women and they turn mm-hmm. on each other. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That was that divide and conquer mentality for women is, is, is deep, 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 deep for a long time. Yeah. And people are like, well, it must be portrayed in the media all the time because it's true. No. But it's true because it's been fed to us for so long and we just are predisposed to acting that way, I think. And there was a time when that wasn't true. Like when of course. women really supported each other. And like, yes. this is like the Middle Ages. There's a book called, I think it's called Beyond Women or something like that. I forget. I'll have to, I'll have to find women? it. No. And it was like really about how like societies of women would support each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the communities of women would really be like a support for each other. and it, But they began, began threatening the status quo. Mm-hmm. If all the women banded together, man. Oh, my God. Forget it. Forget mm. it. Mm. I do think we are feeling a shift back towards that, though. Yeah, I hope so. With the women's marches and stuff like that. I feel like... Um, I don't know. Like, I just feel like women are feeling more, uh, more of a camaraderie amongst. Well, and there's each other. this thing where it's like if if women support each other and they're strong, like that doesn't mean that men become weak. Like, there doesn't right. have to constantly be. This is right. a, such a like zero way of thinking. It doesn't have to be some kind of like hierarchy all the time. Yeah. Like, why yep. can't we just all be happy and equal and like live normal lives? Why can't we all just love each other, right, Jenny? Peace and love, peace and love. Sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. okay. Whatever. All right. Jenny, this is why I think I believed in love at first sight for so long. Yeah. That was my other... I was thinking about that. I really believed in it. And on some level, I still do, even though logically I know it's impossible. Well, there's an attraction. Attraction happens at, at first sight. Yes. But that's different than love. Yeah, I guess. 
Um, if you ask me if I ever felt love at first sight, I probably would have said yes, but we're divorced. <laughs> so obviously it didn't work. And it was a terrible relationship. Right. Well, that's what I mean. It's unconnected. Like it, it's infatuation, right? It's Which some is kind of connection, I think. Mm-hmm. But, but it's I don't not know because... based in anything real or deep. When I think about my initially anyway, first, it could grow into that. When I think about my first marriage, I always thought it was love at first sight, but it wasn't because what had really connected me to my first husband was the 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 conversation and things that we talked about. It wasn't like I saw him right and thought he was so hot. It well, there's like, love at first sight, so it's just like seeing the person yes, falling into the yes. into infatuation with the physicality of them. Mm-hmm. But then there's also like fat infatuation, like there's a strong like attraction to a person, but that's different than loving someone deeply. Right, I agree. I agree. Like I met him, and that evening we talked about poetry and the Indigo Girls, and he's wearing Chucks and a Nirvana shirt. Now you can imagine. <laughs> to little outcast poet Amy in 1994, this is like yeah, blowing my world open. That's what it was. It was like, oh, there's somebody like me. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It wasn't love at first sight. Nope. So I don't know why it's portrayed like this all the time. Like, why did it? Why as a writer would you choose to do this? I mean, well, it's I a very, it's a very romanticized view of love but i wonder if this is how it happened that in the sounds books. like so bizarre what does that even mean that sentence a romantic it's a very romanticized view of love no that's not that makes sense jenny we're gonna have to ask the memes if they read the book if in the books laura ingles wilder says she fell in love with Almanzo wilder at first sight i mean i'm not surprised this is happening to her because she's like 15 and that is a that is a like when you're, you know what I mean? When but you're that he does not respond in kind. Because he's an adult. Yeah, she has to right. convince him. He's an adult and she's 15. Yeah. Like, it's like teenagers act differently in this way, right? Like teenagers, mm-hmm. like everything is dramatic and like amazing and like, oh my God. Like, because you're discovering these things for the first time. Jenny, I have something for you. Hmm. What would your life be like if you were still married to the person you dated when you were 15? They're dead. Aren't they dead? So I'd be single <laughs> again. But if they weren't, oh my God, I oh, can't even imagine. my God. <laughs> no offense to this person. Wow. It would just be a bad match. Yeah. And no offense to my person, but oof. No. <laughs> no thanks. All right, Jane, why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next? Um. So next is going to be part two of this. Of this series, Back to School Part 2. A description. The description reads, Laura decides that becoming a teacher will convince everyone how mature she is. But first, she must pass the graduation exam. She does receive an unexpected offer of help, but in the end, it might just ruin everything. Oh, let me guess. Nellie offers to help her. Let me guess. She falls for it. It's going to be Nellie and Laura's rivalry over Manly. Well, and this this was the other thing is that I want. I was thinking about doing as a why, is like, there's this whole thing of like... Girls want to look older, want to look older, want to look older. And then immediately, they, then there's like two years where they're comfortable with how old they are. And then they want to start to look younger again. Yeah. Like, why can't we just be comfortable in the age that we're at? Yeah. I'm loving being older. We yeah. were talking about this last night. I forget. Was it last night or the night before? I was talking about this with my kids. 
And they were saying something about being 22 or 23. I'm like, I would never go back to that. Never. Well, they've done a bunch of studies. And the ideal age, like the age everybody wants to go back to, if they go back, the happiest is like 30s. It's not not 20s. Yes. No one wants to go back to their 20s. And then it's like 60s. Like people in their 60s and 70s are are Tell mom that. The most miserable age is like the age we're at now, like mid to late 40s. <laughs> it's true. I'll put oh. this study up. I was reading it. It was really interesting. Oh, wait. Lafayette Beetle wants to say something. He wants to chime in on this? What's the matter, Lafayette Beetle? That dog is so obnoxious. He can't let me pet him. He has to get a toy. Do you hear him? He's gross. All right, guys. So that's the end of the episode. Check us out on Patreon. We're doing Love Boat over there, and we're doing some good... Uh, Halloween themed blockbusters we did Children of the Corn on the main feed and we're doing Child's Play on Patreon so if you want extra content just visit GenXThisIsWhy.com you'll find everything you need there to sign up for it also consider joining our Facebook group the Mimi Bees we have a good time in there um, we like to share pictures and memories and it, it's fun and we're also on Instagram at GenXThisIsWhy so thanks for listening and we'll see you soon Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you Acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.